Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you all for tuning in to Step Into Your Sunshine. This is Rachel Kudron, owner of Etsy Boutique, Kudron's Curiosities, and RC Copywriting. Today, I have one of the most inspirational ladies that I have ever come to know, and I would love for her to introduce herself. Hello, Rachel. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited. I am Tracy Pope. I live in Ipswich in Suffolk, and I am the owner of Be You, Be Confident. Um, it's my business where I want to help not just ladies, men as well, become their most confident self. And, you know, they may have been going through trauma in their life or had trauma, and that's had a big impact on their self-confidence. And now they feel that they want to get that back. So the end goal is so that they can wear their confidence with pride and happiness and just step into their most authentic self. So, and like in society today, it still goes on that, you know, you get to a certain age or whatever, and you have to be acting a certain way or, you know, society tells you that, oh, right, when you get to over 40, that's it. Life's over. Job done. It's like, no, it's not. Life is just beginning and people should be embracing that as well. So that's my mission for that. So that's the first business. Secondly, I am also a partner in a business that a lot of people might go, ooh, or cringe when I say the title because it is actually called Suffolk Spiders. And the title does exactly what it says. It's all about spiders. I'm in the business with my partner and we are in the process of breeding spiders as well and to sort of get lots of egg sacs. And it's all very interesting. But would you actually believe at the start of this year, 2023, I had arachnophobia. And now I love the little fellas. They're just so majestic and fantastic to watch and they're not not as scary as what you might think wow oh my goodness look at that a total transformation terrified of spiders to calling them majestic that is incredible because I know that so many, especially women, are absolutely terrified of spiders and growing up I that was something I never had but and when I got to college my roommate she would be like come here you gotta take down the cobwebs you gotta like get this spider out of the apartment and I was like okay okay you know everything's gonna be fine I, I'm sure that you are more terrified uh less terrified uh, than it is of you uh, but in her mind, absolutely not. That was never the case. Um, and so I think that's incredible that you have overcome that fear and embraced it. I really have, because at the start of the year, it was like, oh, you know, arachnophobia. It's like, no, I need to overcome this. Because when I got with my partner, he was like, oh, yeah, I love spiders. I breed them. And I was just like, what? on earth I am the complete opposite now he didn't sort of 
coerce me into overcoming my fear it was something that I decided I was going to do myself and actually I thought at the time I'm going to give myself a year to get over this because my arachnophobia was so bad that I couldn't even look at a photograph of a spider without breaking into a cold sweat that's how bad it was so it was like right I'll give myself a whole year and sort of like long story short I got over my arachnophobia in a whole month. Literally wow. went from being super scared to holding my first spider, who was called Fred, because all our spiders, all our spiders have old people's names. So I held Fred, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, yeah, and it's just sort of like the love for them has just grown and grown because they, you know, they're not just all black and there's so such beautiful colours in them as well. So, yeah, I was like, wow, I have done this. And now it's like, well, why was I actually afraid of them? <laughs> yeah, the, psycho- the psychology behind exactly. the fear. And that's that's something that's very, very interesting. Yeah. I would love to ask you, Sarah, to, uh, Tracy, to <laughs> start telling your story. So what were some of the defining moments in your life that shaped who you are? Wow, that is a very good question, Rachel, because there's probably quite a few moments in my life that have defined me and got me to where I am today. The biggest one, I guess, is I have beaten breast cancer twice in the last seven years. Uh, and on and come the 13th of September this year I will be able to say that I'm five years in remission wow massive congratulations it it is huge because the first the first time round when I had cancer it was all very traumatic um I was in and out of hospital, I don't know how many times. The nurses knew me so well. And after the third cycle of chemo and it had put me back in hospital, I was so ill with it that my oncologist actually decided to abort my chemo. And I was one of the first people in Northern Ireland to have their chemo aborted because it was he was just so worried that the next cycle could have potentially killed me. And at one point after the third cycle of my chemo, I was told after a certain situation had happened with my pick line, which had migrated to my neck, so it wasn't in the right place, that I was within hours of dying at that point as well. So it was all very scary. And there were times during that period of the first going through chemo the first time that I just wanted to give up. I did. It was sort of like, right, I can't cope with this anymore. What was being put into my body, you know, is just literally pure poison. There's no other way of explaining what chemo is. It is just literally poison because it's trying to 
get all those little cancer cells that could still be lingering in you and to be so so ill and fighting for my life which basically I was doing and sort of after my chemo was aborted I started radiotherapy which was a walk in the park compared to the chemo which turned into Groundhog Day and once I'd finished all that that was it because my breast cancer was actually triple negative which is a rare form of breast cancer in literally triple negative means is not fueled by any hormones and I got the all clear on can't remember the exact date but it was a week before Christmas in 20, 2016 and I thought yes great beaten it Less than six months later, I went for a routine appointment. The doctor that sent me wasn't very happy with how my scar was looking and how underneath it was. The next day, I went through a mammogram, ultrasound, needle biopsies again to then be told that it was back in less than six months, I was then starting the fight again. And what I didn't know was it, if you are triple negative the first time, you'll be triple negative again. But if you say you have it first time and yours is fueled by hormones, the second time round it could become triple negative, but it won't go the other way. I don't know how it works. It all seems very scientific and everything. But to be told you've got triple negative breast cancer for a second time just filled me with such dread because I knew what had happened the first time around. And my oncologist was, right, we're not giving you the drug that we gave you last time because it's far too risky, it's far too dangerous. So I'd had my, so I was booked in to have my surgery first, first of all, like I did before. And within a month of being diagnosed, having my surgery, the lump had literally quadrupled in size. It was that big. Because to start with, when my surgeon first saw me you couldn't actually see the lump but by the time I had the surgery the lump was very very visible visible it was in my scar line from the first time around so I had the surgery they didn't get clear margins the first time round, so I had to have surgery again but luckily they did manage to get clear margins so then I went on to having chemo they put me on to a different one and I was on weekly this time. But unfortunately, after a couple of cycles, I took anaphylactic shock on it. Which then meant my oncologist stopped the chemo. He was like, right, no, we need to pause this to see what we can do. And 
it took about a month of sort of my oncologist going to the trust board because the the drug that they actually wanted to put me on wasn't funded by the NHS, which meant that if they couldn't get the board to say, yes, we will pay for this drug for this patient, it would have meant I would have had to have gone and done um, crowdfunding or something to raise the money for myself. And it was not shy of about £100,000 for chemo. But luckily, the board knew my history from everything and they agreed to it. And so I started this other drug about a month later, had in total ooh, about 15 weekly cycles of it. And long story short, I didn't I couldn't have radiotherapy again because it was in exactly the same place as the first time and I don't know whether or not you know but if you've had radiotherapy in one place you can't have it in the same place again especially if it's very close to a limb in which case mine mine is because my scar's very high up and it would have meant if I'd had radiotherapy again there was a chance that I could have lost the use of my left arm and being left-handed, that's quite important. <laughs> so literally I had surgery, I had chemo. Obviously that didn't come without its difficulties the second time round, but I'd done it. And then obviously the 13th of September, 2017, I was told that I was in remission. So hence in a few weeks time, I will be able to say that it's officially five years since I beat the cancer again. So yes, it's. I think that has to be one of the most defining moments of my life because obviously no one ever wants to hear those words. Oh, you've got cancer. You know it. You know unless you've been through it, no one can fully understand all the feelings and emotions and everything else that goes with it because you you sort of go into fight mode you're sort of like well I'm not gonna let this beat me you know there was many times when it it could have done and I could have just given up and you know I if I had a given up I probably wouldn't be here today actually telling you this story so my inner my inner self was like no I'm fighting this and now it's all it's all part of me and actually I guess who I am because it's it's made me a stronger person along with everything else that has happened in my life as well which hasn't been easy either so for me to get to level 48 of life as I am at the moment, it's sort of like, yeah, this is quite an achievement. <laughs> Crazy. You are such a warrior. To Thank go to that two times and all those weeks and all those treatments and then still be here to tell your story. You inspire me. You inspire so many women and men around you. And you have that warrior fighter spirit that this isn't going to take me out. 
And I have seen that not only in that story, as I've heard you tell before, but also in your most recent events. And in the last couple of years, you just refuse to settle. You refuse to be beaten. And that is something that comes from within, that you have that kind of spirit where you're going to fight and give whatever it takes to accomplish whichever goal that you want. And I know that that's inspiring to me and it's going to be so motivational and empowering when other women hear that story as well. Thank you. And really, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Would you like to go into more details of your experiences? Yeah. Um, Well, I guess, I suppose it all started when I was 14. My mum unfortunately passed away um, six weeks after her 40th birthday of brain hemorrhage. So overnight I went from this carefree teenager to suddenly being completely lost and bewildered and just wondering what was going on around me because no one one day I had both parents and then the next one was gone and you know being a teenage girl as well I had all these hormones going around me as well and it was like what on earth is happening and I had such a big sense of grief but I was also angry as well for my mum leaving me and it was sort of like you know how how could she but you know it wasn't something that I could reverse or anything so you know from the age of 14 it was just me and my dad and even when I was at high school as well I would this label got put on me that oh oh yeah that's Tracy that that's a girl whose mum died and if I didn't do well in exams or anything it was like oh no her mum died just give her a bible and all of this and it was sort of like well actually looking back on it now I wish I'd had the courage or the strength to say well no actually I don't want that label I don't want a bible you know I want to do more but you know obviously 14 growing up and everything you don't sort of go oh yeah right okay I'm gonna take on take on the teachers or anything like that so that I guess was the start of my journey and where I am now you know kind of went off the rails a bit in my early 20s done things that I probably shouldn't and it just I got to a point in my life where it was like, no, something, something's got to change because things really did go downhill and it got to a point. I was about 26, 27, I guess, and things got so bad that I did actually think about ending it. But for, But something 
pulled me back. And it was like, no, no, I, I've probably got more to give. Little did I know at that age that there was going to be a lot to give. I met my ex-husband probably about, well, I was about 27, 28, I think. Um, I lived in England. He lived in Northern Ireland. Um, we got engaged very quickly. I moved over there. Um, we got married and decided to try for a family, which was difficult. And I did eventually end up pregnant with our first child. In that time, I was very sick. It wasn't an easy pregnancy, but unfortunately, six months into the pregnancy, I took this pain in the front of my stomach, didn't know what it was. I was rushed to hospital. Um, I was the doctors actually told me that I was going into premature labour and they needed to stop it. And so completely bewildered, it was like, right, okay, do what you need to. And it, I was kept in overnight, like I said. Um, the next morning, I hadn't felt any movement from my bump and... I rung the buzzer to get a nurse and that that felt like a while. And then the nurse took me off to the ultrasound room and she started scanning my belly and she she tilted the screen towards her. And I thought, oh, well, I didn't really think anything because I was just like, right, what's happening? And then she went and got someone else. They did the same, another person. And I think by the end of it, there was about six health professionals in the room with me. And they were all looking at each other with sort of complete bewilderment, I suppose, for want of a better word. And I just went, what's happening? And I just sort of demanded what was happening. And it they all, it was almost like they were all being chicken because they didn't want to tell me. And the nurse actually said to me, I'm really sorry, but your baby has died. And at that moment, my world just completely crumbled. I think I screamed the room down. And obviously, my ex-husband wasn't there. One of the nurses rung him, obviously didn't tell him what had happened, but just asked him to get to the hospital. And it felt like hours before we got to see each other. But I was given the, I was given two options. One was either to go home and come back the next day to be induced to give birth or stay there and be induced and give birth there and then. And I just thought, well, if I go home, I'm not going to want to come back because I've got this baby inside of me. I was meant to be protecting her and she's gone. So I was like, no, do do what we need to do now. 
And so I was induced. I did ask for a C-section, but I was refused because apparently the scar will then would have been too much of a reminder of what had happened. So literally a few hours later, I gave birth to a stillborn baby and it is one of the most traumatic things I've ever had to do. But a comfort was about an hour or so before it happened, I was in the room all ready to give birth because I was having contractions. And I said to the ex-husband, who's that standing by the sink? I could see this figure standing by the sink. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, there's a lady over there by the sink. And he was like, no, there isn't. I went, yes, there is. And we had a little disagreement. And he was like, describe her. And I literally described my mum to a T. So I know that my mum came to get my daughter. I had a, I had a little girl and we named her Charlotte. So I know that my mum came to get Charlotte, which sort of, there was a bit of peace in that as well, knowing knowing that so so there's been there's, there was that and then obviously I was I became pregnant quite quickly again with our son he was born at 35 weeks couldn't even I couldn't even get to a full-term pregnancy because there was just too many issues and complications so he was born at 35 weeks six months after he was born I had a stroke <laughs> and it, I just thought, you know, what else can life throw at me? Yeah, I think I spent nearly a month in hospital. I had, I was left with a memory impairments at the time and literally had to learn to walk again as well and left the hospital on crutches. So it was all though all those things going on. And then about 18 months later, my son was diagnosed with autism. So we had that to deal with as well. And it just felt like one thing after another, but it has, it has made me the person I am today because despite everything that life has thrown at me, I am still here. I'm still going even when... I just wanted to give up at so many different points and you know there is other bits and pieces that are happening in my life at the moment and that did happen but I can't really talk about those bits at the moment because it's still very fresh and raw for me but I've been through trauma counselling for that as well but I hope one day I'll come back on your podcast and I'll be able to talk about that bit as well <laughs> oh my goodness every time I speak with you or I hear different parts of your story it always pulls at my heartstrings because I can just feel the raw emotion in your voice and when I see you on video and in person and I know that the people that just listened to that story, 
they're going to feel that too. And as a mother, I it hits in a different type of way. When you think of losing a child or losing your mother or being the person that's lost to your child, I it, it gets me all emotional because oh, I just bless you. I why I've been fortunate to not have any of those experiences yet. I would you talk about them with such raw authenticity. I can feel those emotions and I it just makes me you know want to wrap you in a hug oh. virtually. <laughs> and I thank you so much, so much gratitude for sharing that with us because you don't have to. And by doing so, you allow all of those other mothers and fathers that have lost children or have lost their parents to know that they're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Because there is baby baby loss even, even now. Because I lost Charlotte in 2006. And back then, it really was a taboo subject. I remember when... I first had the courage to go out because I remember we had to go and register her death. She never actually got a birth certificate. It was a death certificate. And we had to go and register that. And I remember going into town and I took a panic attack because it was like, I, I can't do this. I'm supposed to have a baby with me. And there was that emotion to deal with and I remember quite clearly I was walking down the road and someone who I thought I knew actually crossed the road to avoid me because they didn't know what to say to me and they just yeah, they just crossed. They just crossed the road, so they didn't have to talk me. Talk to me, and that really cut deep as well. That someone that I, that I thought was a friend just literally ignored me. And you know what I would say to anyone listening that if you have a friend or a family member who goes through baby loss, you know, even if you don't know what to say to them, be there for them and even say to that person, I don't know what to say, because that will mean more than just completely ignoring them. You know, you can just be there for a shoulder to cry on or if they need groceries or just something but to just be completely ignored because I had had one of the worst things that could have ever happened to me you know it's like I wouldn't wish losing a child on my worst enemy that's how bad it is and it's still it still gets me that there are people that would sort of just go, oh, or it gets to me when people sort of say, oh, I know what you've been through. It's like, what the hell? You haven't lost a child. So how pain that I went through at that point 
and you know I still get upset about about my daughter because you know when a baby dies you not just don't just lose the baby you lose all the hopes and dreams that you had for that child as well it was like you know I'll never see Charlotte go to university I will never see Charlotte get married I will never see her become a mother herself and it's just all those things as well that I think a lot of people don't understand unless you have been there and even today baby loss is very much a taboo subject but you know I have friends who are working really really hard to break down those barriers and to actually be open and say yes this does happen because I think um can't remember the stats quite they, they may have changed but it was one one in 16 babies each day are stillborn that that may that may that may have changed so please don't quote me on that anyone listening so it's it happens a lot more than what people think and it is it it's just so so raw and you know obviously i will i will probably never get over it i've just learned to live with it and if anyone asks me oh how many children do you have i always say that i have two just be just because my daughter isn't physically here I still gave birth to her. She she's still she's still a human being. Just that she was a bit too precious for this world. I think that is an absolutely incredible outlook that you have and that you're sharing with us. And the fact that different people walk different paths in relation to baby loss and I think that you have a view to, a very beautiful way of looking at the situation and the experiences you've been through. For me, I um, it would have been about two years ago now. And my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law experienced um, a loss at about three, three and a half months. And that that was really hard for the for the family at large I because she had already shared that they were expecting we were all excited and and it was as not a similar type of thing but she had gone in she had just gone the week before to an ultrasound and had gotten all the pictures and she was sharing it with the family and then the next week it was just like boom and all of us kind of took different approaches on how to support my sister and brother-in-law. And we all had various opinions on how it should be um, approached. And for me, I remembered stories like yours and others. And 
I knew that my sister-in-law isn't a person that is ever going to ask for help or claim that she wants any. But I also knew the raw emotion that you had um, expressed before in your story and other women. And I, I took it upon myself. I was like, well, if this was me, and all the stories I've I have ever heard, you know, what type of person do I want to be in this situation? Do I want to be the person that avoids it? Do I want to be the person that lets her tell me when she's comfortable? Do I want to be the person that just gives and then sees what happened? And that's the path that I chose for me. And I had went to another small business and I got her a little package of different stuff when it was talking about rainbows and a journal that she could write in. And I gave it to her when I gave it to her. She didn't say much with words, but she just, she just burst into tears. And then she said, thank you. And for me, that was very, very emotional because I know that she wouldn't have never asked me for anything. And yet I could see how emotional and the turmoil that she was having inside of her heart and her mind and her body when I gave it to her and she burst into tears. And I just think that you have a beautiful message and encouraging people to honor and speak to and just you know sit there even if it's even if they are uncomfortable even if they don't know what to say and be there for those that have experienced pregnancy or child loss and I think that's a really important message to put out into the world because so many people I find they don't want to look weak and so oh, they don't want to address it they don't want to ask for help and so their way of handling it is just like kind of at an arm length arm's length and so the fact that you keep it so close to you and so front and center I think is very inspirational thank you yeah and I think what you actually did by going out and buying a very special gift that was tailored to her as well just speaks volumes as well that you know when you don't know what to say to someone you know just by buying them something you know that that mean that means more you know something like that will mean more than words or you know but it is it's just about being there for for that person and obviously I know other lost mums and, you know, we all we all sort of very much agree, you know, that it needs to be talked about more. And I think as the years have gone on, that women who unfortunately come behind me and the other ladies that I know who have had loss as well I think they are finding the strength to stand up and say well actually this hap this has happened 
and it does it's not something that can be brushed under the carpet or ignored you know and it's things like that that when they are ignored it affects the woman's mental health as well and all these bits and pieces you put them all together you know the the loss the sadness the trauma and I felt guilt as well when I lost Charlotte because it was sort of like well what what did I do what did I actually do that caused this what could I have done to have prevented it and you throw that all into a big mixing pot and you have such a deep impact on that one woman's mental health so outsiders who haven't experienced or don't know what to say just by being there even just going and sitting with the family you know you don't have to say anything you know just that sheer presence means that you have acknowledged that yes what has happened is really really tragic but you are there for the person that it has happened to and you will always be there because it was like that also runs into when I had cancer as well I found that friends became strangers and strangers became friends because you know it was sort of like oh I because when both both times when I had cancer I was very open about it all I was very open on my social media about it I know I posted pictures of my hair loss uh I remember my Facebook profile became me being completely bald after I'd shaved what was left of my hair off. And I I shared pictures of the chemo, me in hospital. But people that I thought were really, really good friends all vanished. And it it was a case of saying, you know, yes, I have cancer. It's not contagious. You can't just get cancer by being in the same room of room as me and other people who didn't know me at the hospital they became my friends and even the second time round that I had cancer there was a group I think because everyone sort of works on the same cycle so you'd see the same women each week and well hi how are you and everything and we discuss sort of oh how have you been and lack of bowel movements you know sort of like you had a, have you had a poop this week nope blocked up and that became the running joke <laughs> and you know in a time of such darkness we just developed this really dark sense of humor and I think that got that got us through as well but unfortunately with the there was me and five other ladies who became great friends and 
unfortunately, I am the last one standing out of that group. So I feel that my story that I want to get out more is not just for me, but for the memory of those five ladies as well, who were all so brave and courageous right up until the end. It's sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living my life, not just for me, for them as well. My goodness, my goodness. <laughs> you, you just, like, you pull up my heartstrings and you pull at purpose. And what I mean by that is when people tune in and listen to this episode, your story is going to impact them. And you're going to inspire and empower. You're also going to have them questioning their lives in a sense of what is my purpose? What to get down to the nitty gritty of who am I? What am I doing this for? Why do I want to share this message? Why do I want to run this business? Why do I want to work with these people? And because you don't say it outright, but your story makes people think about that. If my life was ending, what what road would I choose? If I was di- diagnosed with cancer, what path would I go down? With my mom recently, as she's she went through a very tumultuous time from the beginning of the year to She's still going through, um, but she is now out of the hospital. There was countless times throughout the last eight months that I thought I would lose my mom. And countless times. I was following it with such intensity as well. It was like, no, come on, come on, keep fighting. (laughs) Yes. And I remember thinking more than one time that – who was who was I as a mother if my mom wasn't around? Mm. And oh, I can I can feel it because that was one of the thoughts I thought very often that really mm. just got into my soul. And I remember one time that I was back in uh, Oklahoma in the U.S. and I I went back a couple of times and I had stayed a prolonged time and. Before I left the second time, I had asked my husband to take my daughter because I was like, I just need to be with my mom. And I needed to just be us. And it was on one of the most of the time she had been um, uh, non-responsive throughout the eight months. throughout the eight months but on this particular time it was a time where she was doing really well she was very uh cognizant she was very lucid and I remember I was crying at her bedside and I was like mom I don't know if I can go and she just looked at me with really really determined eyes and she was like well you can't stay here and I was like (laughs) well what do you mean you can't I can't stay here and she goes Rachel, like, 
I talk to you every day and the things that light you up the most are your businesses. When you're in business and you're telling me about your different clients or the, your different ideas or the things that you're doing uh, in your work is when you have your purpose. And then I described it. I started to cry more. And <laughs> I realized in that moment that when I got on that flight and I came back to France, even though my mom was still in a very precarious state, uh, state, and two days after I got back to France, she was back in a non-responsive state. I knew I was, I had my mother's blessing and I was going to continue with my work, with my business because she was right. I had been spending all this time avoiding it because I was trying to give all of my attention to her. And what I realized in those moments was what she really wants is she wants me to be full of purpose. She really wants me to be full of passion. And I know by you living your truth out loud and being on this podcast and continuing to tell your story in various places that you are doing just what your mother would want for you and you're providing an incredible example to your son about living in authenticity, following your heart and living with a purpose that's bigger than yourself and that touches more than just your life. You're touching millions of lives by the by the choices that you're making. Yeah, cool. We're, we're going to be in floods of tears, both of us, in a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, uh, I think I'll... Now I just want to be able to put my story out there and empower other women as well. So I'll say, you know, you can you can survive trauma no matter how how hard it is. And I know I've had friends who sort of like said well you know if you were a cat you would be down to about five lives now because you have just looked deaf in the face that many times because that even leads me on to when I had my stroke and I was in hospital you know like most people when they have a stroke they lose use of one side oh no not me it was one arm and the opposite leg I can't remember if it was my left arm and my right leg or my right arm and my left leg it was really strange and I remember I was just laying in the hospital I was one of well I was I was the youngest person on the stroke ward and I just start I remember I just started walking towards this very bright light, this bright white tunnel, and literally just kept walking. And I remember I got to the I got to the end of it and my mum was at the end 
and I remember these words. And she was, turn round, it's not your time to go. And it was like, wow. And, you know, not many people say that they have had a near-death experience and others talk about a white light and even before that happened to me I never believed it but it is it is just this white light that you keep going going towards and you know when I got to the end and you know my mum did say turn around it's not your time to go and I remember I did I turned around and then the light just sort of kept fading and then I felt myself back just laying in that hospital bed and, you know, by miracles of miracles, I am still here today and I am telling my story on your podcast and, you know, it is just, wow, yeah. <sighs> and we I, think I need so... a moment now. <laughs> yes, take it, take it. <laughs> We are so blessed to have you and for you to share your story and you to open up the doors for this conversation to take place. Um, that there are women of all ages that are diagnosed with various types of cancers and it's okay to talk about it. There's survivors, there's people still in the fight. There's people that have lost babies, have a pregnancy loss, lost children when they're older. And um, there's people that have had strokes. There's people that have lost their parents. And not many times I will say that it's all happened to one person. So you are a unicorn in that way and uh, yet by telling your story you're opening up all of those doors and saying me too me too and I'm here to share my story and to tell you that it doesn't have to be over to tell you that there are still you still have more to give and that life is still happening for you, despite all of the things that have happened to you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have, I have friends who have had strokes. I have, I've, I have friends who have been through baby loss. I have friends who have been through cancer, and survived. You know, and it's like I have all these little, all these little groups of friends. But not what not I don't actually think there are any of them that could be within another group, if you know what I mean. It's sort of like, you know, I have all these like unique little groups, but I'm the one person standing here who can who says, Yes, I I lost a parent when I was young. I had baby loss, I had a stroke, I've had cancer. And it's just like, wow, you know, how can so much happen to just one person? And 
I think I'm still trying to find my reason why, but not once during all of that crap. Can't really say it any other way. Not once during all through all of that crap did I complain or did I start questioning why me? I just literally got on with it because I think when you start going down that road of why me, it can take you to really, really dark places in your mind. And I have, throughout all of that, I have been to really, really dark places in my mind and I don't ever want to be in a position where that happens again because it is a very scary lonely place no matter how many times people say to you oh get oh or get over it or you can do it it's you know you can't rush any sort of healing and everyone is unique when it comes to that you know you can't just get over something in five minutes when it has been so traumatic and it's just yeah it's just incredible for me to think that by talking about all of this today and sort of just looking through it and going yes I I've been through all of this and I don't it I can't remember what the podcast was that I was listening to someone had been through obviously different things in their life but they weren't calling themselves brave or a survivor they called themselves a conqueror and I think that's what I am. I am a conqueror of all those obstacles that have been put in my life. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love that word. You most certainly deserve that title, that you are a conqueror and that you have defeated so many feats throughout your life and you continue to do so. And just going back right to the beginning when we talked about um, your strength that you have, the internal warrior that I uh, coined you with at the beginning is just, yes, more than a warrior, you're a conqueror. And that that was something born innate within you and then strengthened through all of your experiences in your life and you refuse to settle for less than you refuse to live less than the life that you deserve and for me all of your stories are incredibly motivating but it's also your outlook that I've had all of these tragic traumatic events happen in my life yet I'm still choosing to put one foot in front of the other and say bring it on let's see what else life has to give me because I'm here and I'm ready and that is something to be absolutely 
admired and screamed from every mountaintop mm-hmm. in the world is just like I'm here and I'm ready and yeah. you have a bank of so much experience of saying you know what you may be facing in your life right now has absolutely no comparison to all of the things that you've already lived through in your life and you when you need that strength, you go back and you remember all those experiences that you've already been through. And it's like, I've already been through all of this. I can handle today. And I can handle anything else that life puts in my way. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's sort of like when you go through so, so much trauma, you do get to a point where it's going, right, if anything else is going to come along, yep, it might suck at that time, but I'm going to conquer it. Yes. Yes, Tracy. (laughs) I have one more question for you today is what advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their path in life? I would say just listen, listen to your soul. Listen to that inner person within you because they will know the way it might not be immediately obvious which path you need to go down but it is within you thank you that is wonderful advice thank you it really is in tune with many others where people talk about listening to their intuition listening to um your heart listening to the voices that align with what you truly want and not what all of the voices on the outside are telling you you need to become do or be to become successful or to live the life that you want and i think that is a wonderful note to end on Tracy, thank you so much for coming on to Step Into Your Sunshine today. I would love for you to also give us your links for Be You, Be Confident, or Be Confident, Be You. You tell me. Be You, Be be Confident. (laughs) Yes. And where can we find you? Um, Yes, so I'm on Facebook, um, Insta, and I'm also on LinkedIn as well. But I will give you all the links. And thank you, Rachel, for having me on this podcast it has been such fun yeah it's been so heartwarming (laughs) and connected I find and I feel like our listeners will feel the same For all of you that have tuned in thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Step Into Your Sunshine I have new episodes going out every Monday and Thursday 8 p.m. UTC time 7 p.m. BST time, and 1 p.m. U.S. Central Standard Time. I hope you all have a fantastic evening, and I will talk to you guys in a few days.